Welcome to Principles of Faith with Scott Gray. In this teaching series, Scott explores the biblical truths of the other reality. In the coming days that you'll remind us of those things, not only that you've done for us in 2017, but that you've done for us in past years and beyond that, what you did for us on the cross that brings us what we need in the coming years. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for healing. Lord, whenever we might need it in the future. Lord, we thank you for financial blessing. Lord, for what we need now and in the future. Lord, we thank you for your the other parts of your great salvation, Lord, that you deliver us, Lord, from harm and evil and from addictions and bondages and habits and things like that, Lord. We, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for forgiveness that you've so mercifully and graciously given us and we didn't deserve it at all. And we thank you we have it. Thank you we can walk in it. And we thank you that we'll have it as we need it in the future. And Lord, we thank you for this redemption that you've given us, the, the adoption into your family. Lord, the redemption you've given us to be able to be born again and have your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we're just full of thanks for, for you being alive in us today. And Lord, for that redemption that you've promised that's going to come about for our soul and body. Lord, we thank you for that as well. So Father, we just, we just honor you this morning because you're so worthy to be praised. And it's okay for us to take time to do that because you are so, so, so worthy. Lord, we couldn't even come up with enough words. We couldn't spend enough time to honor you and to worship you. But, Father, we, we just thank you for the chance we can have. And, and, Father, also to be able to hear from you. And, Holy Spirit, we thank you. You are the teacher of the church. I thank you that you're the one who teaches. You're the one who guides and directs our steps. But you also reveal yourself. You reveal the Father. You reveal Jesus. And you reveal through the Word of God the things that we need to know, the things we need to have understanding on, the things we need for wisdom, for knowledge of what we're to do and what we're to believe. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening it up to us. Thank you, Lord, that that the Word of God has an anointing on it, that as we read it with open hearts, and under the anointing we have as children of God that we can receive those things, Holy Spirit, that you want to bring us. So we, we declare we receive from you today. Say, I receive. And Father, I thank you that no matter what is said, but Father, in, that you're going to open up by speaking in our hearts what we need to hear today. Each one of us individually. Lord, you know what we need. You know what we think. You know how we operate. You know how how we carry on ourselves because you created us. And so, Lord, we just thank you that you speak to each one of us right now and we receive what you have for us in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. 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 Well, we are 
in the, the third part of this series called The Other Reality. And this part is, is on the true eternity. What, what is eternity that's part of this other reality? What is the eternity that's part of this salvation that God gave us? What does it really mean? And so I didn't think there were going to be three segments to this part. I thought there's only going to be two, but we didn't get finished last time. So we're going to, we're going to, this is a faith statement, we're going to finish this part today, okay? Part three, we're going to finish today on the true eternity. And so we, we just to, to recap for just a minute, the, the scripture all of this is based on is 2 Corinthians 4.18. I know you hadn't forgot it because we look at it every week just to remind you of where we've gone with this. But it says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so the whole focus of this series has been to to try to get us more conscious, thinking more about, being more aware of, and expecting to see more things in this unseen world, this other reality that coexists with this natural reality that we so often think is the real reality that we live in. But through the things that we've looked at so far in this series and the things we've studied, we've learned that that other reality, which we we called in the first part the spiritual realm of things, if you want to refer it to that, is actually the real reality. It's actually the original reality. It actually is the reality that created this reality that we live in, this earth that we walk on, this body that we have, this air that we breathe, these material things, the chair you're sitting on, the clothes on your back. All these things are made up of atoms that were spoken into existence from this other world this other reality. And so the true reality is this other reality, and so because of that, we know that truth comes from that, and then we learned that, that who we are as, a, as an actual being was actually originated in that other reality. You are a spirit man. When, when your parents got together and, and a baby was created... A spirit man from that other reality was assigned to you. Now, it was birthed into you who, was, who were birthed into this earth, meaning you were birthed into sin because the, the humankind on this earth was um, originally not in sin, but as we learned back in Genesis, Adam and Eve gave their authority over to Satan and gave the authority they had of this world to him. And from then on, every person was birthed into the sinful nature. Say, well, how do you know? Well, look back in history. Was it perfect? Did people live in perfection? Were they all nice and sweet? No, that was a question. <laughs> Even in your own lifetime, has everybody always been perfect and nice and sweet and had a, took authority over the evil in this earth? No. Just in the century we live in, We've fought two world wars, or no, the century we just came out of. I'm sorry, we're in a new century now. I've got to catch up one of these days. Anyway, within the last hundred years, I'll say, because it started 
uh, right around 100 years ago. But within the last 100 years, we fought two world wars and all kinds of other wars. And since 20, um, 2020, what was it, 9-11, since that time, <laughs> we've been continually at war. And the longest war our country has ever been involved with, when we're still involved in it, in Afghanistan, the war on terror. And so, people are not perfect, right? This world is in sin. You don't have to look very far. Turn on the TV. Look at the news. Oh, don't look at it too long. You'll get depressed. And most of it's not even true. But even the parts that are, it's depressing. There's a lot of evil going on out there. And so, we were all birthed into that. And we had no hope, but we learned that Jesus, who was one of the creators, who was one of the owners of this other reality, the third part of God, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, him and the Father and the Holy Spirit had a plan for him to come to earth as, and be born as a man, but unlike the rest of us, he was not born into sin. He was born into perfection because he didn't have an earthly father. Those of you who were here last Sunday night, we talked specifically about this, what we studied earlier, the Immaculate Conception, but how Jesus came on a mission. He came on a rescue mission to rescue us. And that's what we celebrate, is that he came as God and was birthed into the earth by the holy power of the Holy Spirit into Mary, but Mary had to be willing, right? And we know that her words is what made it possible for her to receive the seed of Jesus. She, she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And so that, since that, well, then we know Mary became the mother of Jesus, and we know her as that. It could have been some other girl if Mary had rejected what the angel, the word of God, the angel brought her, but it wasn't. She received it. And then we compared that to John chapter 3 and the story we studied of, of Jesus and Nicodemus, how he said, Nicodemus, you've got, to, you've got to be born again. And then in Romans 10, 9 and 10, where it says, you believe in your heart that Jesus was the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, and then you speak it out of your mouth. And we said, that's exactly what Mary did. Mary received Jesus into her life by believing first the word that the angel delivered to her, and then she confessed that as into her life, right? Mary was the, was the first one to receive Jesus into her life, not in the way that we're thinking about necessarily about being born again, but the same principle that Mary received that seed to birth Jesus into this earth is the same principle of Romans 10, 9, and 10 of how we receive Jesus and are born again. And so that was the message on Christmas. But um, then we started a couple weeks ago in this part of this series talking about what is this true eternity that we have that we're looking forward to and what do you have and when did it start? So that's, that's where, we, where we left off or what we covered the last two times on this was we looked at this, this verse in Romans 8 where it talks, or this passage in Romans 8, and, and tagging with it verse 6 earlier in this, in this chapter. And, and the, the basic thing is there is that your flesh lives and craves things that lead to death. 
And if you live after the flesh, you're, what you're going to get is death. Now, what do we mean by the flesh? Just a little review here. What is the flesh? It's your soul and your body. It's those two parts of the three parts of you that are not born again. When you're born again, we, we looked at this very detailed, right, in John chapter 3 when Jesus explained it. When you're born again, you're born of the Holy Spirit. And what the Spirit births is the Spirit, or rebirths. So it's your spirit that's reborn and that gets um, perfection to become a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, according to that explanation Jesus gave us. But your flesh doesn't get born again. Doggone it, we wished it did, because then we wouldn't have all this trouble we have to deal with, and we wouldn't have to repent, we wouldn't say ugly things, we wouldn't need to be forgiven. We, we could just be nice and sweet all the time, right? Y'all are all nice and sweet all the time, it's just me. But, but nevertheless, some of us have to deal with the flesh. And the flesh naturally craves things, not that it's always bad, but it craves things that it wants, or we could say that are selfish. And so if you just live after that, in fact, you don't even have to try. <laughs> if you just don't try to live the other way in the spirit, and in contact with this other reality and your spirit man dominating you, if you just live without that, you're going to automatically go the way of the flesh and you're just going to crave whatever your body wants, the third piece of cake, all the sweets you can just pile in at Christmas. Okay, don't feel guilty. <laughs> Anything your mind thinks of, well, I think I want to go do this. Okay. Sometimes it's okay to, to think on things, and maybe, just maybe, it might be something God wants you to do, but, but without God in your life, it's not. <laughs> the flesh is going to lead you down the wrong path. In fact, according to this, this chapter, Romans 8, it's going to lead you to death. So what do you have to do? Jesus taught you have to crucify this thing. You have to kill it. Now, we're not, we're not talking about literally killing yourself, but we're talking about dying to self. The selfishness. And so you have to, the way you do that, it's like any other thing we've talked about. The best way to do it is this old theory of displacement. I've done this in here so many times, y'all could stand up here and teach it. If you had a, a pitcher and a glass of water, you could do it as good as I could. But anyway, it's not that you can, that you can perfect your flesh. In fact, I'm going to tell you, don't try. It won't work. What you have to do is... Dominate it by your spirit and displace the bad with overwhelming it with the good of your spirit man by letting the word of God and the Holy Spirit rise up in you and you feed that. You cultivate that. You make yourself dwell on that. What does the Bible say? It says renew your mind, right? Who's the you in that subject? There's an understood subject you in that sentence. Renew your mind. Who's the you? If, it's, if your mind is not the you, who's the you? It's your spirit. All these scriptures were talking about do this, you do that, you do the other. The you is talking to you as, hey, you spirit man in there. Because it talks about you renewing your mind. Well, if, you, if you're just a mind going around like most Christians believe, they just believe they're a two-part being, that they're a mind with a body or that they're a soul with a body, you're not just a soul. And so I'm all about saving souls, but I'm more about getting spirits born again. 
Because saving of the soul is a process. Born again of the Spirit is an instantaneous. And it is born again into perfection. You saving your soul is not going to be perfection. Not until you get to heaven someday <laughs> and inherit the rest of your salvation. I'm getting ahead of myself. But you, you have to, you, spirit man, have to work on your mind, will, and emotions. And you have to work on your body. So you displace the cravings, the nat natural selfish desires of the flesh, that evil partnership of you. you. You displace it by dominating it with your spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. And so if you just go the way of the flesh, it's not a good, there's not a good end to that. And so that's what that, that passage told us. And then we looked in... in uh, verses 16 and 17 in that chapter and it talks about we're heirs we're heirs of all this salvation that God gave us when he adopted us when we were born again and we received the adoption into his family we became heirs of his salvation and not only that it goes on to say we're joint or fellow heirs is the way it says in NASB fellow heirs with Jesus and so not only do we get an inheritance, which would be wonderful if we just thought about that, getting an inheritance directly from God, wow, that has to be good, right? has to be full of good things from this other reality, this better reality. But not only that, it gets better. It's like the TV commercials. But wait, there's more. And it gets more than doubled because you're fellow heirs with Jesus. Whatever he gets, you get. You get an equal part. That's even a better deal. And then it goes on later in that chapter and refers to salvation in the past tense, but also talks about a future element. And that's where we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about today and, and wrap this up. But there's, there's part of your, your salvation is past tense, meaning you're born again. It says you have the Holy Spirit. Have is a past tense. And, and we know that this whole salvation that Jesus paid for for you when you get born again and you receive him, you become that heir. So in other words, it belongs to you. You can't be divorced out of the family, right? It's, it, it is an inheritance forever laid up in heaven for you. And so we read, we read over in Ephesians 1 about it's laid up for you in heavenly places. But there's a part of it that you have not yet received. And it alludes to it in here, and it's talking about a resurrected body or a spiritual body. This body, like I said, you leave it alone, it's going to lead you down the wrong path because it's just going to crave what feels good. If it feels good, do it. You know? The old, the old thing about, I was sinking deep in sin. Whee! <laughs> you know? But you can't always just do what feels good, right? There are things that are okay that feel good. But there's a lot of things, if you just pursue feeling good, and I'm talking about natural feelings, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to override some things that God wants you to do. It's going to override some things that are right. In fact, it's going to lead you into sin. Does that mean you're no longer a Christian? That you need to get born again again? No, you can't get born again again. When we studied that out, it was a one-time thing, remember? If you, if you could get born again again, that negates the first born again. But if you're born again, that's permanent. Now, you can turn your back on God all you want to and walk away from Him, but does He ever renege on any deal He, he makes? No. No. If he, 
In fact, the Bible talks about if he ever went back on his word, the whole earth would just fly apart and disintegrate because it's held together by the integrity of his words. That's what holds it together because it was created by words. So it would make sense that words are the glue that holds it together. If he ever violated his own word, we wouldn't even exist anymore. So if he violated his word and took back your salvation, we're... We're in bigger trouble than just you. <laughs> we're, we're all done for. So you can't get born again again. You don't need to get born again again. What you need to do is repent and enter back into your forgiveness that he bought and paid for for you. Right? But this body of yours is not, is, has not received its salvation. It's not perfected like your spirit man is. All this is re review for y'all who did the spirit, soul, and body study. Okay? But we're just going a little deeper with it. But your spirit man is perfect, but that your body is looking towards a day when it's going to receive a perfected status. It's going to be changed. And so we know that it talks about in, in the Bible, it talks about changed in the, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, will be caught away. And so... This is something that we have to look forward to. It's part of the inheritance that we're looking forward to inherit, inheriting. You know, it goes to that old, that, that what we say oftentimes, I have been saved, I'm being saved, and I shall be saved. So it's past, present, and future. Past is your spirit man was saved, was born again when you got born again. Every day, you're experiencing this salvation. You know, aren't the mercies of God new every morning? If you need to repent, there's, re there's forgiveness for you. If you need healing, there's healing for you today. But in the future, I'm looking forward to being saved. Because so many people get tripped up over that, over that verse. Well, how can, how can salvation be in three different tenses then maybe I'm not born again, or maybe I'm only one-third born again. No, you're not. You have been saved. Then you talk about your flesh, your mind, will, emotions, and your body is being saved, and ultimately someday it's going to be totally saved. And so this is, this is what we're talking about, this eternity when it relates to you, this true eternity, which is life forever in the power and presence of God. And we talked about in, um, well, we're going to get to it in one of these other scriptures. But So anyway, and then it's this next one, 2 Corinthians five sixteen through 19, establishes that eternal life begins when you're born again. See, so it's not that you're only one-third got eternal life and being saved, but you're going to be, you are already saved as far as that goes. And we know John 10, 10 said Jesus came that it, he said, I came that you might have this abundant life. So if he came to give us the abundant life and we received him, do we have it? The answer is yes, absolutely. We have it. <laughs> and so, and we know John three seventeen said he came not to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. And then we looked at John chapter 5. And again, it said in verse 24, it explains that if you're born again or if you're saved, you've already, you already have this eternal life. You have it. It's, it talks about it there in the past tense. 
but has passed out of death into life. Passed, already passed. So you have life. You have eternal life. It's not going to be something that, that you, like, looking forward to, well, when I die, I'm going to enter into eternity. Well, there might be some measure of truth to that if you're talking about your body. But as far as having eternal life and having eternity or living in it, you already do if you're born again. Well, I don't feel like it. I just, I'm still living on this earth. I've got all the same problems I always had. Yeah, but you've got a life in you. You've got a wellspring of life in you. You've got the Holy Spirit himself living on the inside of you. Is the Holy Spirit uh, full of life or not? He's 100% full of life. He is life. When, when God created Adam, what did he do to get life in him? He didn't just speak him into existence like a dog or a cat or a cow. What did he do? Breathed his spirit into him, right? He became a living soul. Not just a soul, but a living soul. And then we know, according to what we studied in John chapter 3, that when you're born again, you're birthed of the Holy Spirit, and he comes and dwells within you. Now, we also believe around here about a baptism of the Holy Spirit, where he over overshadows you and you're completely filled with the Holy Spirit to the point that you are able to speak in other tongues in a heavenly language. Boy, that could be a other, another whole part of this series. Don't worry. Don't get nervous. We're not going to do that one. That's a message for another time. But, but we need to talk more about that because you have life. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've experienced that overwhelming life in you and coming out of you and a way to tap into it in a different way by praying in a prayer language, a spiritual heavenly language. And so anyway, then in, in those last two verses in that John chapter 5 passage, um, it refers again to another resurrection pertaining to the body. So today we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, which we know this chapter is... Well, some people call the Hall of Fame of Faith. There's a bunch of people in here referred to that are people that are well-known in the, in, the, in the Bible as men and women of faith that did some extraordinary things by faith, right? And it starts off t telling us what faith is in the first couple of verses. But then you get down into... The, the meat of the chapter and it talks about uh, Enoch and it talks about um, Abraham and Sarah and, and different ones that were some of these folks that, that were just great examples of faith and it goes on further into the chapter and but Moses and so forth but what I want us to look at is in the middle of the chapter it, it takes a little pause about naming these people and talking about what they did and explains the situation they were in. And so look at verses 13 through 16. It says, All these died in faith. So did they die without any hope? Did they die feeling like they were lost and undone without God? No, they died in faith. 
All these died in faith without receiving the promises. Okay, now you think about that there. These people that, that, that I just named and these others in this chapter, were they ones that lived after Jesus came and brought salvation? Or did they live before? They lived before, right? So salvation had not been completely fulfilled because it wasn't until Jesus came and brought it and died on the cross for our sins. But they were, they were looking. Well, I'm getting ahead. Let's, let's read the rest of this. But having seen them, so they didn't receive the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. So, again, let's pause for a second there. Thinking back to our text scripture, 2 Corinthians 4.18, which things are the more real, the unseen or the seen? The unseen, the things in this other reality. Had these people, it says, having not without receiving the promises, but having seen them. Now you've got a con- seeming contradiction here. These all died. Did Abraham and Sarah die before Jesus got here? Did Moses? Did Isaac? Did Enoch? They all died, right? So, having seen the promises, did they see Jesus? Were they here to physically see Jesus? No, we just said they all died. In fact, they died, some of these died thousands of years before Jesus came to the earth. Abraham, he was way back there couple thousand years before Jesus. Further back, further away from Jesus' time than we are. So how did he see the promises? Could it be that he saw into the other realm? Could it be that he had a revelation into this other reality, this unseen, this eternal reality? I believe they did. I believe God revealed to them by his word and maybe even in dreams or visions about what was to come, what they, you know, Abraham was known as the father of faith. Without Abraham and what he did and, be, and, and being the man on earth to enter into this original covenant with God, we would have never gotten to where we are today. Think about Noah. He's mentioned. Okay. I, I've been more thankful this year for Noah. Good old Noah. If it wasn't for Noah, we'd be wiped out. He was, do you realize he was the only human family left on the earth? I'm thankful for Noah. <laughs> Somebody had some faith and survived the flood, right? And obeyed and did what God said so there'd be some human beings that's left on the, to repopulate the earth. Thank God for Noah. Without Noah, you wouldn't be sitting here today. And so, but Noah had a glimpse of what he was being saved for and to, Right? They might not have seen the whole picture, but they had some promises. Abraham had the promised covenant that out of his seed were, were going to become the heirs of salvation. And they were going to be like the grains of sand on the seashore, like the stars in the heavens. God took him out and said, can you count them, Abraham? No, I can't even count them all. Well, that's how, ma- how many descendants you're going to have of faith. We're, one of, we're ones of those. So they got a glimpse of these promises, but they got a glimpse into the unseen world through God's spoken word, his promises, and through visions of the promises. But what was unseen to them became more real that they put their faith in than what they could see around them. 
especially with Abraham. I mean, when you talk about seed, he, had, he only had two children, and one of them, God said that, you know, you, you, you messed up on that one. <laughs> that was not my idea. So really only one, one son, that all this was dependent on. So if, it, if he was only based on what he was seeing, it's like, no, um, I mean, Abraham, go out and count your children. One. <laughs> well, how's he going to be like the stars of the heaven and the sand by the seashore? <laughs> Something's going to have to happen. <laughs> anyway, they saw great things in the unseen world. It says, having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Now, isn't that strange? Why would they think that all they ever knew was this world, this earth they were born into? Doesn't it seem strange that they would think that they were exiles, that they were here, that they really came from somewhere else, unless there was another reality? Do you think they had some measure of revelation of this other reality? Because they considered themselves strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they're seeking a country of their own. See, a lot of people, if you, if you claim those things today, people think you're crazy. <laughs> and they probably thought, they did think Noah was crazy, didn't he? God told you who? To build a what? What's this big thing? Because it's going to do what? It's going to flood? They've never even seen rain. <laughs> This man's a nut, (laughs) right? But was he really a nut? (laughs) Who was right and who was wrong? (laughs) Think about it. And so they saw themselves as strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they're seeking a country of their own. Yeah, and some people want to lock you up for seeking that country. They think you're crazy if you tell them there's another reality out here. Verse 15, Indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So this gets into not only the fact that they, they had a revelation of salvation, they had a revelation of the promises and the salvation God was going to bring, that he had promised to Abraham and, and on down the line to Isaac, to Moses, you know, back there to Noah, and on down the line, the prophets in the Old Covenant. They not only had a revelation of that, but they also had a revelation of a literal heaven, of a literal heavenly city that we can read about over in Revelation, that we also have an expectation and a hope to be a part of someday. In fact, it's going to come down to the earth if you go read Revelation. I keep referring to this, but it would really be good to go and read Revelation while we're studying all this because it, 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 it's the other part of this that we're not going to have time to really study as a part of this series. But it's so intertwined because there's so much that's promised over there that John describes that's a part of this remaining part of your salvation that you've yet to, to see manifest or you are yet to walk in. But there's this salvation that they did have a revelation of, but they also had a a revelation of a time to come, of a city to come, of a place to come. Yes, ma'am.
Exactly. Absolutely. You got to take everything in context. You can't take a scripture out of context or out of its time frame. This is talking about if you, like we said, if you read about all these people in here, everybody in here that it mentions is talking about somebody under the old covenant. It's before Jesus came to the earth. And so we established that because we said all these people lived and died before Jesus came in the literal sense, right? So they had a promise of salvation. They had a promise of the plan of salvation, which is Jesus. They saw it. They considered that that was the reality. But they, it had not been able to manifest to them because the way had not been made. Jesus had, this was pre the cross. Everybody post after the cross, meaning Jesus died on the cross, can, re can receive the manifestation of this salvation as far as being a born-again spirit. These folk could not be a born-again spirit because there was no way to be born again at this time. So it was, it was looking forward to the promise, believing in faith, and they did all these, isn't it amazing, they did all these exploits in faith that even today to a born-again Christian would be like, wow, <laughs> God did that, that's awesome. And they did it without even being born again. But they knew, they knew God, but not in a way that he, they had him on the inside and that they had received their salvation. They had a promise of salvation. And so we now, even on this side of the cross, you want to look at it here as an analogy, they were on that side. Jesus came and he brought this salvation, made it possible. We now live on this side. So we have the ability to be born again. They did not have that ability. We have the ability to be born again. And even that, our spirit man is perfected. We receive the Holy Spirit into our spirit. Our spirit is reborn by the Holy Spirit unto God, alive unto God, full of this abundant life that Jesus promised. But yet, we still have the flesh, right? You got to deal with the flesh. There is a part of this salvation that takes care of that in the end. But we're not there yet. <laughs> until Jesus come back, comes back or until you go on ahead if, you, if you're not still living when he comes back. Until that time, you don't, you don't get the manifestation of that part of your salvation. Now, it's promised to you. It belongs to you. We just read these scriptures where it, it talks about a resurrection of the body that's part of this salvation. But it clearly says you already have eternal life. This is why you have the ability to receive healing. Why? Because you already have eternal life in you. If it doesn't spill over into this physical realm in you, it doesn't mean that it's not possible. It means that you didn't do what it needs, what needs to take to receive this healing that's a part of your salvation, that's available coming, making the connection in the spirit world. And what did we say those connectors are, those transporters are? Words. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. But when we're not, when we're not walking in our healing, and none of us are doing this perfectly, right? We're trying. But we have this flesh that we're dealing with that keeps us from being perfect. 
I'm talking about as a whole. Your spirit man is perfect. Don't get confused. But we have this flesh to deal with. But when we don't receive our healing, whose fault is it? Is it God's? Does this, is this stuff work sometimes and sometimes it doesn't? Does his, is his word, is it kind of like, you know, it, it has its faults and it's kind of like a car. Sometimes it cranks up, sometimes its battery is dead. No. God is perfect. His word is perfect. His salvation is perfect. Does it have any, does it have any lacking? Did, did Jesus give a partial salvation? Well, it was about 90, 90 proof. No, it was 100. <laughs> Is he going to have to do any more to perfect salvation? I hope not. <laughs> and I know he, he did too. He's counting on doing this once. In fact, the Bible talks about that. Once, and, once for all, right? Jesus is not going to come. You know, again, it goes back to this. You can't be born again again. And if you do something so terrible, Jesus is going to have to come back and die on the cross again. No, he's not. <laughs> he's done it once and for all. There, there is no other need for Jesus to, to pay a price. He paid the ultimate price. He paid it all. All of God was on the line. It was the greatest risk in all of, in all of time that God put his, he put his whole self and his whole kingdom on the line when Jesus came to live and die and be, and be crucified by the devil, basically, and then go to hell. I mean, that was a, we would call it a gamble. God knew that his word was going to work. He knew his plan was, was perfect. But it was, in an overall sense, especially from our viewpoint, it was a huge risk. He put it all on the line. He, he didn't hold anything back. Turned his back, I'm getting off of the subject a little bit, but turned his back on Jesus, put all the sin of all mankind past, present, and future, all on him. Man, who could, who could take that? But he took it, right? He took it and he dealt with it. Once for all. Past, present, future. Aren't you glad he did? Because you weren't even born then. <laughs> if he couldn't die for future sins, you're in big trouble. Because <laughs> you weren't living 2,000 years ago. But aren't you glad he could? That he could do it once back then and cover everybody that ever have lived, was living, and ever will live. So there is no other salvation. There is no other. Jesus said, I am which way? The way. Which truth? The truth. Which life? The life. There is no other life. There is no other truth. There is no other way but Jesus. See? So hopefully that's the answer to, to what you're looking for. But these were looking for not only the promises, but they were looking for a heavenly city, a heavenly place. Now let's look in um, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to start at verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15. 15, mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty. it says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. 
All right, now think about that statement. I'm going to pause there for a minute. Flesh and blood, okay? That's the physical you, right? Your body can't inherit the kingdom of God, okay? What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? Nicodemus, I'm helping you tie all this together. What did he say? Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Then he said again down in verse 6 of John 3, Nicodemus, what's born of water is water, what's born of the Spirit is spirit. You must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. Talking about born of your spirit. That goes right along with this verse that says, flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. Only the spirit can inherit the kingdom of God. Right? You can't enter into salvation in your body. Your body is, is going to be saved, but it is not yet saved. Now, the salvation you've been given can have an impact on your body. We call it healing, right? That Jesus paid a price for. So I'm going back to the cross, just a little side trip here, just a second. Did he take a torturous beating? Stripes. His body was beaten beyond recognition as a human being. Nothing we've ever seen or imagined before of how he was tortured and beaten and his body shredded and, and emaciated, right? Not only that, God put every sickness and disease known to man, just like he put sin on him, on him. Many people believe that how that probably manifested is not only did he have all those wounds that were inflicted on him by the Roman scourging and beating and the nails and the sword. Not only did he have that, but he probably had all these disease distortions and all these things, these diseases manifesting in his physical body. Just think about that as a possibility. So he took all of that, it says, so that by his stripes... You were healed. Okay? Think about it a step deeper. If your physical flesh received salvation, I'm talking about received it, manifested, at the same time your spirit man was born again, such that your flesh and blood inherited salvation at that same moment, then why would you ever need healing? You need healing because your body can get sick. It can get injured. It can get hurt. It can get wounded. So isn't God good? How he not only took care of us in the now and in the eternal future sense, but he took care of us in the in-between time so that you could walk in healing until you receive that spiritual resurrected body someday. He made provision, didn't he? For your healing. Aren't you glad? Isn't that awesome? That he took that by his stripes you were healed? I'm telling you, when you get to heaven and you get a resurrected body, you're not going to need healing anymore. Healing's done and over with for you at that point. You think people in heaven are getting sick? You think they have to get flu shots in heaven? Because the flu's going to go around? No. <laughs> it's total perfection up there. Why would you need healing there? Where you need healing, you know, this is not hard. <laughs> this is really easy when you put it all together. You need healing here while you're in this natural, as we'll 
refer to it as far as manifestations in this natural unsaved body. His flesh needs healing. Same thing for mental. Did Jesus would did he not take the anguish and the torture and the the mental abuse? Weren't they railing at him on the cross? Oh, you're the son of God, come down from there. You know, and all this stuff. Abuse, abuse, abuse. He took all that so that you could have, what does it say? We have a sound mind as a part of our salvation. But does but if if you just were if your mind, if your soul was born again at the same time your spirit man was born again, why would you need that? You wouldn't. You won't need it in heaven. But he made provision for the time between. We don't have to have anxiety. What did he say he gave us? His peace. My peace I give unto you. Not peace like anybody else knows. A peace that passes, it says, all understanding. Are you going to need peace in heaven? Man, that's a place of total peace. They're excited. They're worshiping God. They're, they're all constantly in awe of Him and worshiping Him. But it's peace. There's no war in heaven. There's no anxiety. There's no depression. What would you have to be depressed about when you live in a mansion and the streets are paved with gold and the living God of all eternity is sitting on a throne right there in the middle of the city? What would there be depressed about? There's no depression in heaven. There's no anxiety in heaven. There's no worry in heaven. Can you imagine sitting in your mansion in heaven? Everything's provided. Everything's beautiful, wonderful. The presence of God. The whole place is lit with the glory of God. And you're sitting there in your mansion going, I wonder where I'm going to get breakfast in the morning. I wonder if I get sick, what's going to happen to me. Oh, I wonder about my children. Are they going to make it? Are you kidding me? In heaven? No way. Where do you need that stuff? You need it here. You need it here. But salvation not only took care of the past, it took care of the present, and it takes care of the future. You get, you get a manifested, resurrected body at that point. Your soul goes with you to heaven. Thank God. But you can work on renewing it while you're here. But anyway, okay, where did we leave off? Oh, me. Verse 50. Now I say this, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Remember we studied those scriptures back in the second part where it talks about about we received not a perishable seed but Jesus was an imperishable and simply translate the word imperishable it's an everyday term it's a grocery store term what does perishable and imperishable mean perishable what it decays it rots it spoils right imperishable is goes on it's permanent right it never spoils. It never runs out. It never wears out. And so, is your body today in its current state, is it perishable or imperishable? It's perishable. Remember we talked about this in the, in the last part of this series. You can go look in the mirror every once in a ten years. <laughs> See how different you might look. What's going on? The perishable. <laughs> now that's in the natural. You, you have a supernatural 
provision for healing, but you can't totally stop the age process, right? God didn't promise you he was going to reverse the age process, but he did promise you healing and that you could live in health. You'd be the most beautiful older person there ever lived, right? And your youth can be being renewed like the eagles, but it doesn't mean he's going to roll back the clock, right? And so this body is perishable, but it's going to, it says it's going to put on the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. So there may be some living that will be here to when Jesus returns. There may be others that, that go to sleep, so to speak, in that they lay down their body. But we will all be changed. So what does that, if, you, if you're going to be changed, doesn't mean this body's going to go under a transformation. If it was already born again, if this body was already born again and saved, what, why would it need to be changed? If it says you're going to be changed, okay, let's look at the flip side of this. If it says you're going to be changed, and yet we've studied in John chapter 3 and in so many other places, and in First John where it says you cannot sin, your spirit cannot sin. So if you need to be changed and your spirit was born of the Holy Spirit, born by perfection, into perfection, why would it need to change? Does perfection need to change? No. So it must be talking about another part of you here, right? The other part of you is your body. It was not perfect. It is not perfect today. Your flesh, your thinking, your mind is not perfect. It needs to change, but it's going to change. It's promised a change. It says it here. It's a great mystery. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Now again, if you read Revelation, this last trumpet's described. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. If they're dead, they must have perished, right? <laughs> Isn't that another term for dying? You perish? You spoiled to the point your spirit and soul left your body. Okay? And then what happens to that body? Now, I know we do all this stuff to it, doing bomb and all this, but what, basically what happens to your body? It decays, right? Even if it's sealed up in one of these airtight boxes that we put in the ground. It decays. But when Jesus returns with a trumpet... It says this imperishable, this perishable is going to put on and become imperishable. So if it has to put on imperishable, is it already saved or not? Isn't it? Yeah, it's not saved because it, it's, it's perished, right? It perished. But salvation is provided, right? Because it says you're going to put on the imperishable. So again, I'm just trying to refer back to what some of these other scriptures, like the one in Romans 8 and... Um, and these others talk about where your flesh, there is a resurrection of the body that's yet to come. There's a part of your salvation that's yet to be manifested. This eternity has different parts and pieces, but you start living in it at the moment you're born again, right? You get abundant eternal life at the moment you're born again, and then your body has provision through healing. Your soul has provision through the peace that Jesus gave and took your anxiety, took your worry and gave you peace, has provision, but, but it's not saved in the manifested physical sense. 
like your spirit is. But it has a promise to be. So this eternity is ongoing. It has a part that's yet to be manifested for you and I. Now there's ones we know that we knew and loved that have gone on and they've received the manifestation. But if, if you're sitting in this room today and you're alive, how many is alive in here? Then you, you haven't received that part of your salvation yet. <laughs> okay? Nobody dying on me in here today, right? You haven't received it yet. But there's a promise that you will. There's more to eternity than, quote-unquote, meets the eye. <laughs> a lot more. But, but you're already in it if you're born again. But yet, isn't it strange there's people walking around amongst us that aren't born again, that don't know Jesus. In fact, this is the sad reality, that aren't, they're right beside us, and yet we're living in eternity, and they're not. We have eternal life, and they don't. We have abundant life that has with it provision for healing and peace and deliverance and the ability to prosper in whatever we put our hands to and they don't. Isn't that sad? This is why we've got to share this good news because it's much better than people even realize. It's much better than the common knowledge that people have of what they think is salvation. There's so much more to it. There's so much more to understand about this other reality that we really need to be living in than the reality or the limited natural reality that most people think is the only place they can live in. It's a sad existence. If we thought all we had, if you thought all you had was this natural world you were born into and that when you die, that's it. Wouldn't that be a sad life? It'd be kind of depressing, wouldn't it? Especially as you get older. Because it's about over with. And what you're going to do after that? You're done. But see, there, that's not the truth. The truth is this other reality and this, and this true eternity that you don't have to wait till you die to enter into. In fact, you better not. Because <laughs> if you wait till then, it's too late. So let's read on. 53, for this perishable must put on imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. Isn't the whole definition of mortal talking about living in this body and immortal means beyond this body, means permanent? But when this perishable will have put on imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ see we have the victory over this death this sin this natural life because of Jesus because he brought us salvation the ability to be born again and enter into this eternal life enter into this abundant life enter into this eternity that we need to be a part of if we're going to live in what God has promised us in this salvation. We have it. We have the reality of it. All right, turn real quickly 
or just look on the screen, James chapter 1, just a, a couple of verses that kind of go along as a reminder about what we've said and about what we're going to read in the next two passages. But James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from where? Above. Again, are we talking about altitude here? We're talking about going into outer space? Where it comes from? No, we're talking about in a reality above this reality, a greater reality. Every good thing comes from this other reality. Your salvation, this new body that you're going to get someday. What reality is it going to come from? It's going to come from the other one, right? In fact, you get it when you enter totally into that other reality out of this reality. But we'll read on. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among His creatures. It says, He brought us forth by the word of truth. Again, who is truth? Whose words are truth? God's word. In specifically, what part of God is truth? Jesus. When we confess Jesus, let's go back to our, our Christmas message, Mary and Romans 10, 9, and 10. When we confess Jesus, the Word of God, we believe in it, we confess it with our mouth, that's when you enter into that you're brought forth by the Father, by the Word of truth, right? Enter into this salvation. Every good thing comes from the Father. Every good thing comes from above. All right, let's go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1, and we're going to look at a couple of verses here, starting with verse 12. See if this doesn't sound familiar. But as many as received him, who's the him is talking about here? Jesus, it's the capital H him. And we're just talking about in the first part of this chapter. The Christmas story according to John, where the Word became flesh, the capital W Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of who? But of God, okay? Remember your Nicodemus story in John chapter 3, just two books over, where he said, Nicodemus, you've got to be born not of, not of water, but of the Spirit. That is born of flesh is flesh, but that is born of Spirit is Spirit. But it's saying here that Jesus if provided that if we would receive him, in doing this, in being born in this way, or reborn, as Jesus put it to Nicodemus, we receive the right to become children of God. You can, you can go up to the adoption court and say, I'm here to be adopted. <laughs> I meet all the qualifications. I understand my papers have all been signed and stamped. And guess what? You get it. And when you get it, what have you got? You got the inheritance, right? You became an heir. You became a fellow heir. 
If you're sick, what do you have? Healing. If you're depressed and anxious and nervous, what do you have? You have a sound mind and you have peace that what? Passes all understanding. If, if, you're, if somebody's trying to put you in bondage or you are in bondage, what do you have? You have deliverance. Why? You're adopted. You, you've, you have the right to become the children of God. Children of God deserve uh, bondage, anxiety, depression, sickness, disease, wounds. No, children of God, child of God doesn't deserve that. Did Jesus deserve it? No, he died for it so you wouldn't have to. Is Jesus suffering from the flu sitting out there on the right hand of God right now? Does he get a cold every winter? No. No, 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 no. You have the right to be the children of God. This eternal life starts right then. You, you enter into all your rights and privileges. Your, your spirit is totally born again, become perfect. You have the ability, by that happening, to dominate your flesh, which you're going to have a, a battle with, but you can do it. And he's given you all the provision to do it. Say, well, how do I do it? There's two against one. He gave you all the provision. He gave you everything you need. But you got to do what? You got to speak it. You got to take authority. You got to rule. You, you spirit, you. All right? Look in 1 Peter chapter 1. Right after Hebrews, right after James, right before 2 Peter, you got 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again. Has caused us is what tense? Past tense. All right, we've got some English scholars in here. All right, past tense. To what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, so it's past tense that we've been born again. But yet we have a living hope. Can you hope in something that you already have seen? No, hope is in something you haven't seen, right? I'm not hoping for a tree. I'm not hoping for a podium. You're not hoping for a chair to sit in. I hope not because you're sitting in one, right? It's already there. You're experiencing it. But you have been born again, but yet you still have hope. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Part of your inheritance you have not yet obtained. But there's hope because you're going to get all of it. Right? Reserved where? In heaven for you. Okay, does this not go along with Ephesians 1? It says all your spiritual blessings are, are laid up in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right. And some people would say, well, then I just have to make it by down here, you know. I just give me, you know, as long as I can eat by, and, and someday in the sweet by and by, I'll get all that inheritance. No, we said there's a connector, right? There's a transporter to, to get things from the spiritual, the other reality into this reality. What are they? Your words. Words of faith based on the Word of God, the promises in the Word of God. Reserved in heaven for you, verse 5, who are protected by the power of God. Are protected. Are protected. When What tenses are? Present, right? We just talked about past. We talked about future hope, but are. You are protected. Does that mean you have 
what's needed to provide for your protection right here and now. Absolutely, because you are protected, right? Are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice. Here we're talking about the unseen. The unseen's more real than the seen, right? But you believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your, your faith. Get this last part. We've been talking about the body. But get this last part. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. See, there's a third part too. There's salvation provided for your soul. We've alluded to it. But not only are you going to get a resurrected, glorified spiritual body that is perfect, that won't get sick, won't get cut, won't get wounded, won't get diseased. Even though you have healing provided for you now, you have to, you have to take it and use it, right? Like medicine. Same for your soul. What's it talking about here? You have hope, you rejoice, you're so forth. The outcome of your faith is the salvation of your soul. Okay? All this fits together. If you believe John chapter 3 about your spirit being born again and being birthed by the Holy Spirit, and if, and if you're one of these Christians who doesn't understand the Bible and doesn't understand that you're a three-part man and you just think you're a soul and a body, then how do you reconcile John 3 and your spirit being reborn by the Holy Spirit and all these scriptures we looked at that says you already have eternal life, you already have salvation. How do you reconcile that to this that says the outcome will be the saving of your soul? Must be that your soul's not saved yet, right? But if your soul's not saved, then how could you be a child of God if you don't believe you're a three-part man? There'll be a lot of disappointed people, right? But you've got to be born again. And there's only one way, is to confess Jesus as Lord, believe that he was the Son of God, that he died on the cross, that he went to hell, that God raised him from the dead as the first begotten of the dead, and that he made a way for you, and according to John chapter 3, that you can be born again and you can be born of the Holy Spirit. Your little S spirit, it says, spirit gives birth to little S spirit. Romans 10, 9 and 10, you confess him with your mouth because you believed in your heart and then you are born again, you're saved. Well, if you're saved, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says saved in the past tense. As long as I meet those two criteria, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth and I'm saved, past tense, then how do you, if, you're, if I'm only a soul... How do I reconcile this with this verse that says, I'm going to 
obtain the outcome of my faith, which will be the saving of my soul. See? You're not a soul. You're a spirit. And eternity begins when your spirit man is reborn, is born again. Then you ha your flesh, your soul, and your body have a promised salvation that's going to manifest. In the meantime, you've got to take control of those two, and you've got, you got to live and dominate them by the Spirit of God in your spirit and, and the Word of God, and you've got to renew your mind, and you've got to present your body, it says, as a living sacrifice. What do you do with a sacrifice? You kill it. You put it on the altar and put it to death, right? Say, oh, but it hurts. Yeah, it will. <laughs> but you've got to do those things. There's provision for you now to do that and have provision for healing and deliverance and peace and all this. But there's a promise that those two are going to receive their salvation. Right? The Bible talks about it. See, it's, it's really simple. It takes care of everything. God took care of everything, I mean. And the salvation that he gave you, it was not a one-third salvation. It was a complete salvation. It provides for everything. But it's understanding you entered into eternity at the moment you were born again. And that's a great hope because as you share the gospel with other people and you, and you explain to them about Jesus and tell them they have the opportunity to receive him and be born again, meaning their spirit be born again to him and be indwelled by the Holy Spirit, that's a great hope because you can tell them and at that point you receive eternal life and you can start walking in it now. Now, some people have been taught wrong. They go, what are you going to do, kill me? <laughs> no, you can live in eternal life. You can live in this abundant life. Jesus has made provision for you until such time that you physically die or you go on to be with Jesus if he could returns or whatever. But, but it's really good news, isn't it? It's tremendous good news, the fact that we have an eternity that starts in the here and now. It invades this reality, that we, this natural reality, and brings the other reality into us living in this natural world. That we can be a part of this other, this eternal reality. Remember, the things that are not seen are eternal. These things we see are temporal. Man, wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather be part of the eternal world even while you're living here in the temporal world? Hey, that's a much better deal. I, I want to be a part of that. And so it's important that you understand what is the true eternity? What is this true eternity that we've inherited? And when do I get it? Which parts do I get when? Because there's provision for the past, the present, and the future. There's provision for all three parts of you. Immediate provision for your spirit. Future provision for your soul and body. But even temporary provision for both of them to overcome the problems until you get that. What a, what, what a perfect, perfect plan of salvation. I mean, is God good or what? Was Jesus awesome or what? What he did. It was, it was just beyond words. So good. Such good news. In fact... Andrew says that, Andrew Womack says that's what the gospel means. It, it, the, the literal translation, and this is true if you go and interpret 
the word gospel is it's too good to be true news. You explain this to some people, they just, oh, that's too good to be true. That's why it's so great. <laughs> Receive it. Amen? Awesome stuff. Amen. Yes. Always seen this for myself. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, I was uh, saved in a very unusual way. I'm sure that others, uh, it's just as unusual. But um, he hovers over us like he hovered over the earth, and he's so gracious. He's just hunting us down. Mm-hmm. So. To all of us that, I guess I'm saying this as a prayer, to all of us that walk out in the world, that we would have such compassion and know that the person that we're looking on in front of us, even though we can't see it, we acknowledge that God is hovering over that unsaved person like he hovered over the formless, you know, the formlessness. And... The idea that we are now seated with Christ. We are now seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. Mm -hmm. That he has given power and authority to us in us. I mean, to us in his name and his word. That when we speak his word, even if we don't even feel like it. So our feeling nature tells us, well, geez, I don't even feel like I believe it. It is active and alive and it cuts through the mess because God created all that was made and anything God did not make is an appearance if it wasn't an appearance then why is it I see it one way and you see it another if it was a reality it would just be the same so the smart I heard this morning is that that each one of us would know as we walk out in the world that when we enter a room we are the deciding factor. We make the difference, not of ourselves, but we're not of ourselves. A, a crazy word he gave me, and um, it, it was about, you know, it was about the traffic. The traffic is moving. That was a word for me this morning, for somebody else, and I said, it's for me, and, and it, it's an interesting word. There's no traffic jam anymore. For you and for me, there is no traffic jam, even if we feel jammed up, because we have been delivered. And now he so graciously sets up, moment by moment, our experiences that we are already equipped to meet through the power of his name and his blood. And even if you don't believe me, try it. Because we're meaningless, but in him, we're meaningful. And Kenneth Copeland did this the other day, and I loved it. He said, it's like this. He took one cup, and he said, Old Testament, he's pouring the water over a cup that's upside down. So even an Old Testament believer, I mean, there was God, but it was just pouring over him. And then he turned it the other way, and he poured the water in. And he was showing that it's, it, as we pour the water in from the pitcher, we just focus on Jesus. It's just overflowing, overflowing, and overflowing. And the thing that really hit me was, and in line with something you were talking about being a new creation and remembering in the moments 
Simple, simple, simple. God does not want us anymore to live from the outside in. He has so created us today to now change our experiences by living from the inside out. And I never read a Bible. I only went to some very dry ceremony, you know. He, you know, he was going, I just never got it. it was, and yet, when I had an experience with the Lord, I heard scripture. First scripture I ever heard, go up to Jerusalem. Second word I heard was for the day of Pentecost, not even to realize that it would be years later would I understand that, what I meant. What it meant, it meant go to Jerusalem, be filled with the Holy Spirit, so you receive, the ho- so you receive from on high, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, that's the end of my sermonette. But just remember, we live from the inside out, and we've got the power because we've got him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for Principles of Faith with Scott Gray. This message is brought to you by Hope Church. If you would like more information about Hope Church or to listen to more Principles of Faith with Scott Gray, please go to www.hopechurchnc.org. That's www.hopechurchnc.org.